This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Welcome into episode 80 of Half Measures Podcast. We've made it to September. We've made it through winter. It's spring. It's another milestone episode for us. It's episode 80, Dan. Kia ora. How are you? Kia ora, Paul. I, I, I'm just been reflecting on 80, and 80 is it's a pretty big milestone. Eh? Like, I would have never thought when we started this pod that we'd reach 80 episodes. I, I figure as a classic Half Measure, we would have quit around the sort of, I don't know, 10 or 11 mark. I think, you know, what's great, Paul, is like when we first started this podcast, we were, what, we were doing sort of every two-ish weeks, three weeks, well, there was a month between episode one and two, but look at us now, religious, week by week, here for the listeners. And now, if we don't deliver on time, we have to deal with all the complaints. So we're now, we're sort of, we're actually, we're, we're just basically contracted in now, aren't we? I think we're, we're, we're at the point where we're a staple in people's lives and, and people need to hear from us. They need to know what to watch. My wife didn't listen for a couple of weeks. She was busy listening to other things. And then all of a sudden she got back on the Half Measures podcast train and she said to me, do you know what? I actually really missed it. And so if my wife can say that she's missed it, then who knows what other listeners are thinking. I need to know, Paul, did she just like pick back up at the latest episode or did she go back and, you know, complete the trilogy? Oh, no, she she went all the way back. So she she's not missed an episode. And I'll hear about this as well, I'm sure, at a later time. <laughs> Very good. So without any further ado, Dan, could you please tell us what have you been watching this week? I would love to do that. So the first thing on my list is I have watched season two of Snowpiercer. So obviously I just talked about Snowpiercer Season 1 in the last episode. Now, before I go too deep into this, Paul, you haven't seen Season 2, is that correct? I have not, but um, I will be honest with you, I probably won't get around to it for a while, so my memory's terrible, so don't be too worried. Okay. So I I actually really enjoyed uh, Season 2. I think it's a little bit stronger than Season 1. I think one of the the fun components um, of season two is they really bring about this notion of a second train and the second train uh, in I'm dropping spoilers this is amazing it's amazing uh, is, is called Big Alice and it's it's just so great like this is almost like the master train and it's like a big unit and it like hooks onto the back of Snowpiercer and there's train wars there's all sorts of like uh, like in a train uh, class fighting. There's, you know, battles to take over the train. There's, there's so much stuff happening, and it's really sort of turned into a, a fun sci-fi watch. And we talked about last week how they've, they've already got season three and four planned. I'm on board. I started off a bit rocky on this, this whole season, but it's good. Was that an intentional pun? I'm on board. I mean, that's great. Um, I'm gonna have to ask you to dial back the spoilers because you just, when you said train wars, that's it. I mean, because that's typically not something you expect to see with trains is having train wars. Um, the ratings look real strong, just looking down uh, season two as well. So that's always a good sign. Two more seasons to come. That is exciting. Maybe I will revisit this. 
Yeah, so look, and, and look, these, these spoilers that, you know, you, you start to get a little bit of this at the end of season one anyway. And so I'm not dropping anything that's going to really sort of, uh, reveals too much about the overall plotline of the season, but it definitely leaves you with a few cliffhangers, leaves you with some unanswered question, definitely makes you want to come back for that third season. Sounds like just the ticket. Just the ticket. They can clip my ticket. <laughs> Let's go. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've started another TV show, a new a new TV show. This one is um, new out on Neon here in New Zealand. It's been out in the States for a while. It's a HBO Max original called Raised by Wolves. Now, I don't want to give a, a full review yet because I'm only three episodes into ten episodes. I, I've been aware of the show since its sort of initial um, launch. It's it's a bit weird. It's a bit kooky. Well, I, I think I'm going to finish the 10, but it's definitely very different. So the premise of this show is basically androids are tasked with raising human children on a on a mysterious planet. And it's a very kind of religious show, like, like a lot of religious themes. There's basically... Uh, I'm not even going to be able to explain and do it justice, but it's a it's a really kind of crazy program where these androids are um, super powerful. They can sort of wipe out, you know, other people. There's like space battles. There's um, sort of like a an arc with all these religious people on it who are sort of don't believe in certain ways of life. It's a it's kind of got all the the makings of a of a great series, and I can't quite decide if this is a super intelligent, smart show, or whether it's sort of tipped into the edge of a little bit of insanity, and I I think I'm having a good time, but I'm going to have to report back at a later date when I, when I get all 10 episodes under my belt. Mm, I'll be really keen to hear which way you go, because the way you described it, you know, and the this whole sci-fi thriller fantasy drama androids raising children on a planet i mean it sounds a lot of weird things in there that would appeal to me as well so um the guy who's created it he was uh the the writer of a few things we've enjoyed including papillion so good start there i'm i'm intrigued i'm looking forward to hearing what you have when you next come back yeah, it's got it's got uh Travis Frummel from uh Vikings. Oh yeah. Um it's got uh a few other not so well known ones, but it's sort of as I say, it's it's kind of got a little bit of flavour of Battlestar Galactica on it to me, which is why I'm kind of intrigued. But they do lay it on quite thick. So mm. it's you know, watching the first three episodes uh was good. Uh the first two episodes I believe were actually uh, directed by Ridley Scott as well, which I think really amplifies up the the whole sort of the hype and the notion. And you know, obviously he he's a master, and he he's really set a good scene. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see we'll see where it goes. It's it's as I say, I I need more time with it, but it's very much on my radar. That is a massive plug to have Ridley Scott directing the first two episodes. That is a real good hook to get people in right from the start. I love that. Indeed. Indeed. Um, and then, Paul, I've watched a couple of movies. So I'm coming in with some fresh movies uh, this week. I love it. So first one I've watched is the 2021 movie Disney's Jungle Cruise. Now, on paper, 
This is not a movie for me. I saw the trailer for this, I think, when I went to see Black Widow. We watched this on iTunes. It stars uh, The Rock, Emily Blunt, um, Jack Whitehall. It's, you know, largely, from what I can tell, based on the Jungle Cruise ride at Disneyland. I When I saw this movie, Samara said to me, we need to watch this. I was like, Ugh. No, I don't. I think not for me. Not for me. I'll tell you, Paul. I had a bloody great time. I was laughing all the way through it. I couldn't believe they were able to sort of turn a ride into a story. This movie is just like a lot of fun. And this is, you can tell that The Rock and Emily Blunt are just having a damn good time making this movie. This It's kind of got like a little bit of a Indiana Jones type of vibe to it. It's got some great humor for the adults. It's It's obviously kind of tamed down enough for the and I think it's a PG-13 it's it's tamed down enough for kids but this is a really fun movie and if you're looking for something fun to watch with the family particularly during um, these times of lockdown you could do far worse than Jungle Cruise I was thinking exactly the same thing. This looks like it could be an instant hit in this house. When you said it I thought is this some Jungle Book sequel or what? But, you know, but then watching the trailer, it does look like it's pretty funny. Uh, Paul Giamatti as well. He's always good value. Um, there's a lot of things in here. If it's making you laugh, the chances are it's going to make me laugh. So what more do I need to know? Yeah, look, I, I did. And I look, I was in the camp of not for me and it was really good. So, uh, you know, sometimes you've got to try these things. You don't always want to try the Brussels sprouts, but sometimes you might enjoy them. I love that analogy. <laughs> I'll go for the Brussels sprouts. And in one final movie that I've been watching. I, was just, I just spotted Jesse Plemons is in it as well. Oh, yes, of course. Of course. Yeah, no, good point. So great to see him in there, um, you know, for those Breaking Bad fans. I love it's, it. It's, it's got a great cast. And he plays a fantastic character where he's a, a German soldier who's basically uh, driving the submarine around the, the Amazon. It's... It's crazy. It's a crazy Disney, over-the-top, laugh-out-loud, fun movie. It's feel-good all the way. I love it. I feel like I've only seen him in, in Breaking Bad and, and The Irishman, so I need to see him in something else. So now I am sold. So the the last movie that I've been watched, this was another um, movie on iTunes. Um I'm kind of loving that they're just dropping these movies that you might go to the movie theater on or, or might not on iTunes and you can just give them a whirl. So this is a movie called Those Who Wish Me Dead. And so this is a movie starring Angelina Jolie. I feel like I haven't seen her for a very long time. And mm. it's basically a, about a teenage murder witness finds himself pursued by twin assassins in the Montana wild, uh, wilderness with a survival expert tasked with protecting him and a forest fire threatening to consume them all. Now, the thing that really hooked me in with this, Paul, is the director, Taylor Sheridan. We all know Taylor Sheridan, Yellowstone. And this movie is, if you're a fan of Yellowstone, then you are going to be a fan of this movie. This movie is star-studded. It has got disaster and drama on top of drama on top of drama. Like they've basically got a cocktail of these people called smoke jumpers who jump into the, the forest and um, try to divert fires. They've got assassins. They've got people being hunted. They've got survival experts. There's so much disaster happening constantly in this movie. There's thunderstorms. There's 
it, it, honestly, it's chaotic. It's like watching Yellowstone when just like it couldn't get any worse and just things kept happening and happening and happening. And it, I have not had so much fun in this type of movie in a long time. It is like a a classic 80s modern day action movie. Brilliant. You did have me straight away uh, at Yellowstone because uh, Taylor Sheridan, who of course is doing the Yellowstone sequel as well, he is brilliant. Uh, the cast as well. I haven't seen Angelina in ages. Uh, John Bernthal, Jake Weber. There's heaps of people in here. Diana and I were saying the other day, there's never enough thriller movies out there. And this seems to have a bit of a thriller element about it as well. Um, I'm in. Honestly, this is a great movie. I don't think it's it's scoring overly well on things like IMDb. But if you look at um, Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a really high uh, user review compared to critic reviews. And I think it is because this isn't a movie what you what you watch to get every sort of you know detailed deep stories. Like you have to kind of go on the ride. Like you have to kind of just make some some big jumps on some of the things that are happening. But if you do that, like it's really hard to get a I think a, a good quality but fun action movie. And this is all of that. Brilliant. Where am I watching this then? Uh, this is on iTunes as well or um, Google Movies. It's it's really new out so. Uh, you you have to rent it basically. So cool. Jungle Cruise and those who wish me dead are available to rent now. Brilliant. And Paul, that is me for this week. Nice one. Well, I have a couple of things, and I'm going to start with Terminator Dark Fate. Then, so this is the final Terminator movie as we stand right now in 2021. Uh, this one. An augmented human and Sarah Connor must stop an advanced liquid Terminator from hunting down a young girl whose fate is critical to the human race. Um, so this one, the big story with this, of course, is Linda Hamilton returning to the franchise for the first time in nearly 30 years. James Cameron returning to write uh, and produce for the first time again in nearly 30 years. Um and of course, it disregards everything that we saw in Terminator 3, 4, 5. And it just basically says we're going 1, 2, and then this movie. And so for me, Linda Hamilton, for starters, has not lost a step. Uh, she makes a hell of an entrance into this movie right from the start. She skids in with a rocket launcher and says, I'll be back. I mean, that is how you make an entrance in a Terminator movie. Um, the opening to this movie, I think, is possibly the best of all six um they they managed to interweave scenes of sarah connor from terminator 2 giving interviews and then we have this really really good cgi linda hamilton and edward furlong uh, which from the looks of it would have taken place not long after the 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 ending of terminator 2 where we have another terminator played by a CGI Arnold Schwarzenegger comeback and actually successfully, finally, once and for all, kill John. And that's how the movie starts, which is pretty controversial um, way to start a movie. Um, overall, this movie is good Saturday night popcorn entertainment. I feel like there is, there's too long spent in the build-up of this one. So like there's all this there's all this mystery around finding this person who's been helping Sarah. Um someone someone's been sending her these text messages over the years. And it's like we all know it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, given that the movie is an hour old and we haven't seen him. And if you've walked into the movie theatre or if you've you've got the DVD or you've seen it online, you've seen Schwarzenegger in the poster. So there's all this build up 
for not much shock value um and that kind of just holds the movie up because we spend a lot of time at border control um and and there's all sorts of um side stories which seem irrelevant when you get to the end of it but um yeah i think <laughs> I, th- I think overall i would place this so if i was to go back to all the ratings i've given so far i would go with terminator 3 in sixth place i would go with terminator salvation in fifth place i would then go with this movie dark fate in fourth place and then i would go terminator genesis in third the terminator in second place and terminator two in number one so so on the scale of it, it it's sort of towards the better the back end of it but uh it's a good fun saturday night movie you've seen this one a couple of years ago Eden. yeah it's funny isn't it because i think the way that you've watched the Terminator movies probably has a bit of a different um, impact on the way you look at them, right? Because when I saw this movie, and I actually think I remember borrowing it off you on Blu-ray and really enjoying it, and I think at the time it was because I felt like my Terminator journey had been a bit messy and there'd been a few disappointments. Mm. But the way that you've watched them and kind of the the probably more recency effect um, really obviously challenges where this movie sits in the order, which I, which I think is interesting and, and probably right. Yeah, I th- it's not for everyone. I think um, purists of the James Cameron world will appreciate that. Um, everyone loves having Linda Hamilton and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger back together on, on the big screen. That works really well. Some of the support cast in this movie work. Some of them don't. Um, I thought Mackenzie Davis was quite good as as the human augmented Terminator Grace. Um, there's some great dialogue. The the the, the R18 language is definitely dialed back up in this movie after a, a sort of a bit more uh, timid last couple of movies. But um, no, this is it's a it's a good watch. It's a good entertainment movie. The special effects are off the scale. They're really that good. Um, but yeah, for now, I guess that brings close to my terminator reviews the question is now of course do i revisit the the tv series the the sarah connor chronicles um i do feel tempted to because this has been a fun last six weeks watching all these movies well i think you know you're probably asking the wrong person because you know that i'm a big fan of the sarah connor chronicles yeah and like there there's such a fantastic watch and i think that's a show that if you're going to reboot Terminator again, reboot, reboot that show because it, it was such a, a great way to kind of flesh out some of these stories. I think it, it's actually been really fun kind of going back through this Terminator experience and it's really kind of challenged the way I look at all of these movies now. And I think if I was to do this, you know, I probably would take your advice from last week's episode where watching one, two and Five. Five? Five, yeah. And then I think, you know, the other option would be to watch one, two, and six, I guess, as sort of like their own sort of suite of movies. That's right, yeah. There's there's kind of like, there's there's three worlds. There's the one, two, three, four, five. There's the one, two, six. And then there's the one, two, Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles. So there's there's sort of the three stories. Actually, funny you should say that, just to jump ahead to the mailbag. We did have um, Ash uh, from Palmerston North on Twitter um, listen in and state that, I've convinced him to go back and watch one and five because he didn't enjoy five the first time around. So we'll see if he tweets us again to see how he enjoyed that. But um, yeah, look, it's been a lot of fun. But Dan, I'll tell you what else has been a lot of fun and dare I say even more fun. The main thing I've been watching this week with both Diana and our 11-year-old son is 
Cobra Kai. And last week, I watched the whole of season one. And this week, we've gone crazy here in lockdown and we have watched all of season two and all of season three. So I am right bang up to date. I've even seen the, the season four trailer. I don't know where to start, but I feel like when season four comes out, we might need to do like a, I feel like a, almost a whole podcast once we've had a whole season. Look, I'm so excited because, you know, you've been sending me Snapchats over the last week of just like different parts of the show that you've been watching. And it's like I'm a proud dad because I feel like I've been so hyped up about this show for such a long time. And you know, when, you know, I've, people have said to me, like, you need to calm down about Cobra Kai. And when somebody else also starts feeling the love for it, it just kind of really vindicates me that, yep, th- this is a good show. There's a number of people that you and I both know in the Wellington region who know how much you love Cobra Kai. And I recently said to them, guess what I've been watching? And the number of eye rolls I got when I said <laughs> Cobra Kai, they're like, oh, you're as bad as Dan. It, I'll tell you, you're right. I mean, you should feel like a prey dad. Maybe you should be sensei. I don't know. There's, I feel like this show just goes from strength to strength. And can you imagine watching a schedule of shows with where it's just like a Stranger Things, a, a Cobra Kai, uh, with some Ghostbusters and Knight Rider thrown in? Because this this show is set in a modern day world, but it somehow keeps it just dialed into 1984 so well the whole time. And the music is just brilliant. And, and this is what's so funny about Cobra Kai is it has no right to be as good as it is. It has no right to making people like you and me, Paul, love the teenage drama, like, you know, love this whole sort of like sports battle. Like we obviously love things like the sort of the, the pop culture references and some of the, the great throwbacks, but as a cocktail, it shouldn't be so good, but it's so delicious. It's, it's right. And normally this, 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 that sort of high school drama would be so far off of my radar. I think the closest I would have come to that would be, I don't even know. I want to say how to get away with murder. I don't know, but this shows even, you know, with an even younger cast. I need to say two things though. And that is one, Ralph Macchio, who plays Daniel LaRusso. He is 60 years old in two months' time. It seems impossible. He looks absolutely great. And he's obviously in, in great shape as well to be doing all these moves. And secondly, and this is a big call, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Johnny Lawrence is one of the top 10 TV characters of all time. That is top 10, Dan. I can't say better than that. That is a credit to A, how well he's written, and B, how well he's played by uh, William Zabka. It just, he has so many great lines in seasons two and three. He continues to say things that no grown man should say, certainly not in today's day and age. And I'm just, I, I'm just laughing the whole way. It's, it's just fantastic. It's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, William Zabka, um, it's almost like a comeback story for him as well. And when you look at his IMDb page, like he he's it's not like he hasn't been working. He's been in a lot of stuff. But I feel like this is like a redemption story for him as well. And that's what's so great about it, because it's almost like the, the way they tell the story, it makes you feel like he's literally been in kind of like a coma. He's come out of it. He's an adult. He doesn't know how, how the world works. He's still in the karate mindset from the 80s. And it just works so well in today's age. And it's 
I think it, it's a credit to his acting. It's a credit to the way they've written the character. It's just so much fun. The way he delivers his lines is is just great. And I, and you're right about the redemption because that's you know I, I was quite specific when I said top ten TV characters because when you think about him in the movies, totally different kettle of fish. But in this show, he's just. Um, He's just great. And I was thinking, it's no wonder that you and I love this show so much because the core of this show, like so many other great comedies that you and I enjoy, is that it's it's set around adults who you think should be mature, grown-up, responsible people, but are basically acting like teenagers. I'm talking East Bannon Down, uh, Vice Principals, Step Brothers. Uh, there's elements of Seinfeld in there, but it's just that comedy that really cuts right through me and just has me laughing the whole way. Yeah, no, it's just so good. And there's there's so many fun characters too, like sort of from season two onwards, like Stingray is one oh. of my favorite sort of, you know, like side characters. So much fun. And when he becomes the security guard at the school. ah, The best. Stolt. Stingray. I mean, I was gutted that he didn't return for season three. I can only hope they can find a way to re- rework his character into season four. I'm not surprised he lost his job because let's be honest, let's cut straight to that scene at the end of season two with the fight that fight was so outrageous it was relentless it went on for ages if that was to happen in real life it would go viral and would be worldwide news it was absolutely outrageous that whole fight scene um obviously the introduction of of crease we had at the end of season one his i was um I felt at first it was going to be um, like a bit of a distraction having him in in season two, but by the time we get to season three, his story is so woven into everything and it's integral to how that season three ends as well. Um, The other thing I was going to talk about, I made a note of, was Johnny Lawrence discovering the internet and Facebook and saying hash browns instead of hashtags. I mean, it's just so simple and it's just so great. It, it's so good. Speaking of um, John Kreese or Martin Cove's character, I also enjoyed just getting a bit of backstory about him as well. Mm. Seeing his, um, you know, his time in Vietnam and kind of what kind of made him into who he is. And I think the way they play off the tension between Johnny, John, and Daniel collectively always kind of has you kind of changing teams a little bit for who you're kind of supporting. And just when you think you're like nah, Daniel's still the good guy, like Daniel will be the douchebag. And then you're kind of like, oh, yeah, Johnny, like you deserve to win and then he'll do something really stupid. And it's it's such an emotional roller coaster of, of who you're kind of vying for. It really is. And you're right about the backstory because it was good because it gave us the balance and understanding of why he is the way he is. And of course, then you get the whole story of of the cobra with him throwing his you know his basically bully of a commanding officer into that pit of snakes so um so that was good having um ali show up um oh, that was just unreal and it was so much fun watching johnny and daniel together around her um johnny's new uh, dojo eagle fang i mean just just so funny um the trip to japan was was really good and that whole story arc there was some nice uh, linkages through to Mr. Miyagi, uh, Johnny's old Copa Kai mates showing up and they went on that road trip. There's just so much in here. But then the ending then, the final scene with Phil Collins in the air tonight playing as Johnny and his students turn up to join forces with Daniel uh, and his dojo as the two combine to take on Copa Kai in season four. That is one of the best endings to a, a season, much better than the season two ending with Miguel in a coma. And now we just have to wait just three months for season four. 
look, you it, it's a nice short wait for you. It's been a it's been a year for me. Um waiting for this new season, but I can't wait. I I'm probably gonna rewatch all of this again before we hit season four, just because it is such a, a fun, feel good watch. And I feel like if you can put aside some of the oh, this is good, karate good, like yeah. it's I, I think you'll enjoy it. And it's a bit like the jungle cruise, right? Like you might not think it's for you, but it probably is. If you grew up with any of the sort of Karate Kid movies or anything kind of in your your sphere of kind of influence or interest, then I, I think you'll find something good in here. I've, I've been using it, funny you should say that, I've been using this as a vessel to explain to someone who just didn't understand why I love Star Trek Picard so much. And I've said it's for the same reason that Cobra Kai resonates so much with the, the Karate Kid fans from the 80s is that you get that nostalgia for something that you love growing up combined with seeing it again with something new the story continues and so i sort of said you know seeing picard in 1987 and then again in 2020 it's the same thing as cobra kai um and as i said last week with the season one review that tv series format is king for something like this over over a movie it just would not work i don't think as a movie and yeah three months wait i can't wait yeah so good so good that sounds like you've been busy. Should we move on over to uh, The Walking Dead? Indeed. So where are we up to? Season 1, Episode 12, Archer and Part 2. Uh, so the walkers have found a way inside the subway train and the rule of survival is no longer no one left behind. Instead, it's more of a let's keep moving campaign. Um, uh, meanwhile, we've got Daryl, who's lost his dog, and... Yumiko is taking on the Commonwealth bureaucracy uh, with the lives of Eugene, the King, and Princess all in the balance. Damn widening the Walking Dead fans and listeners are out there waiting for your verdict. All right. So I'm intrigued that this was kind of a part two, like, because it's not really like it concluded at the end. Like, and I don't think the next episode is called part three. So I've got some, I've got some questions there. I enjoyed the, I'm enjoying the Commonwealth. I'm enjoying kind of, finding out a bit more about them. In fact, I'm enjoying it a lot more than our um, train journey that we're having at the moment. And I think it's just because it's it's another established community with a lot more structure around it. And I'm kind of intrigued by the quirky characters that they've got over there. Whereas I think down in the train, I'm like, it's so dark. It's kind of, I'm finding it a little bit painful. And I, look, I really held back last week by not having any any rants on the podcast, Paul. But I'm going to have to have one this week, and it's about Daryl. They gave Daryl – Daryl's just – he's just got different kill shots. First of all, use your crossbow. Now we want you to use like a spinning morning star. Now we want you to use your double daggers. Now we're going to give you your pistol. And it's basically just different montages of Daryl being a hero. That's only my first rant. Oh, boy. Second, second of all, it's not really a rant. It's, it's just, just, just some thoughts and feelings. So Maggie gets, you know, like left behind and Negan kind of sort of fudges it. We all know that Maggie's going to make it. She's mm. only just came back. Mm. We also know that Negan's going to make it. We also know that Daryl's going to make it. None of these critical people are on the line right now. Not this early in. And I think, you know, it was just, it was painful because you knew that Maggie was going to turn back up. You knew that Maggie was going to be like, he left me behind. And then, you know, Negan has to be like, oh, she tried to... You know, she wanted me dead. And then the exact same situation happens where they literally leave someone shut outside the train carriage. Like, they didn't even try. Like, they had to kill those zombies anyway. That poor guy had to stab himself in the heart. 
outrageous, Paul. Yeah, the stabbing in the hat was pretty outrageous. As too was your Jeffrey Dean Morgan impression. That was that was something special. Uh, look, I'm I'm on board with you. This. I was look. I was surprised. I think I said last week that I thought that Negan would lift her, lift Maggie up. I was surprised that he left her behind, but as you say, we all knew that she was going to survive. And I cannot be bothered with the fallout conversation because, as you say, we know neither neither Maggie or Negan are going to get written off this early in. Um, I said last week they need to wrap up all this angst, and I, I feel even more so that way now. But like you, I really enjoyed. Um, the, the conversation that was going on at the the Commonwealth a, a whole lot more. I um, yeah, I guess we're getting more um, glimpses of these Reapers as as well. Um, and you know, our gang are now onto their what seventy fourth tribe group bunch of bad people that they're taking on. So you know, they've got their work cut out to to to, to impress me in terms of all the other bad guys that we faced over the the last. Uh, 10 seasons so uh but yeah the commonwealth story i'm really keen to see the linkages across fear the walking dead and the world beyond um i really enjoyed the way um yumiko wrecked the people that were interviewing her and the way she sort of worked her way through that and and then of course you know the the story with with princess the king and, and eugene i thought all of that wrapped up quite nicely yeah look i think like overall like it was still a, a good episode. Like you know, we, we've definitely seen worse. It was just kind of a, I don't know. Like there's a lot of moving parts. I, I feel like I'm, I'm saying the same stuff all the time. But there's there's a lot of main characters down in that um, down in that train. And that guy with the mask, Paul, take your freaking mask off. It's pitch black down there. <laughs> you don't need to be wearing a mask. There better be some magical reveal when you take that mask off. You better be Morgan's son, I swear to God. I don't think it's going to be. But there needs to be something. Because, if look, I don't know about you, Paul. We're kind of in an apocalypse as we speak right now. If somebody tried to join my bubble who wore a mask and they didn't want to take it off, you're not joining the bubble. That is the rule for Dan's bubble, everyone. Don't wear a mask. Um, it's funny how we never question it when it's, uh, you know, Boba Fett or the Mandalorian wearing a mask, but in in The Walking Dead, I get it. I get it. I feel like we need to just, you know, uh, retrofit that statement. Like, do wear a mask because, you know, masks are saving lives. But in the context of The Walking Dead, you can wear a mask, but you need to reveal your face. Like, Correct. Like, and it's just so, like, it's so impractical. Like, you, it's so dark down in the subway. And there's one guy with a mask on, like, look, we all need to focus, guys. It's time to get serious. Like, I appreciate that wearing a mask is your stick, but let, let's go. It's go time. Yep. I, look, I hear what you're saying. And every time you think we've got a bad episode, I do want to remind you just to take a think about the the garbage, pale kids, the trash people episodes with the with the woman with the horrific fringe haircut. Um, we've, we have Paul, definitely seen worse. I actually think they were probably good episodes in <laughs> hindsight. And I... <laughs> I'm gonna go back and listen to those podcasts now. I think as well. I kind of, I, I'm missing some of the daylight. Like it's those scenes are so dark, and I don't know whether it's the quality that we get the show streamed here in New Zealand, but it's, it's, it's. Just, maybe I'm just getting old, Paul. It's it's a it's a dark watch, you know. I I want more vibrance. Yeah, the, I, need, I need a bit of color. The darkness in the train was was pretty bad. I think you definitely need to watch that with 
you know the lights off and then at night time to get any sort of brightness come through depending on the quality of your tv i did think the pacing was good of this one i did like the way they switched between the commonwealth and the because we had two stories going on over there with 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 uh, yumiko and eugene and then we had two stories with the subway with the main group and daryl i thought that was a good balance i thought eugene for me was actually the star of this episode because he so often to me represents what i feel a lot of people in the world would actually be like in if there was some sort of apocalypse he's scared he's a coward he gets walked all over but he also has like he's got a real human hat and so the way his act ended in this episode with him finally you know getting to meet stephanie i didn't expect that to happen i thought that was a really nice moment it was a touching moment and it's the kind of moment that this show's probably been being missing and isn't giving us enough i agree and i think you know, that's a really good point because and I think that's what's making me sort of enjoy the Commonwealth is there, you can feel like there's just a bit more uh, coming together. Like not everyone you meet has to be such a mm. antagonist to you. And I think this is where I struggle with the uh, Negan um, relationship with, oh God, I've completely forgotten her name. Um, Maggie? Maggie. There you go. Um, as, as I would have much preferred to see, you know, they left where Maggie dropped down. I would have much preferred to see Negan come to her aid and use that as a bridge to kind of mend their relationship so that we can all move on. As opposed to having this constant tension and having everyone on that train being like, uh, get wrecked, Negan, like you're on your own. And it's like, you guys don't know Negan. Negan killed, um, Alpha. Like he's got some cred and, you know, you know, we've had the redemption with Negan and to have to sort of go backwards is, is painful as of your... You summed it up really well. That is, it's, it's, it's poor writing. That was why I expected Negan to help her up and build that story arc. He does have that redemption moment. And I think when it's your gang and these are the people you're wanting to root for, it's kind of really hard to see... It's really hard to watch those scenes unfold and actually have you thinking, oh, guys, you just don't get it. I'm actually Team Negan. And that's a terrible thing to say, given what he did to Glenn and Abraham and all the rest of it. But uh, can I, before we move on, can I also give a shout out to Roy? Um, Roy, who we, we first met at Hilltop in season nine, uh, and then we saw him again once in 10 and once in 11. Now the Reaper's taken down with an arrow straight to the head. So that is it for C. Thomas Howell, um, who people may remember him better in E.T. and Bosch and Spider-Man and literally hundreds of other things. But um, it was just, I love the way they just randomly bring back a character that you've seen. Like, cause I had, I got that information from Wiki because I was like, where have we seen this guy before? He's turned up randomly in three seasons in an episode in each season. And I just, I didn't understand the significance. And then all of a sudden he was there and then he was shot down. Shout out to you, Roy. Shout out, Roy. Great stuff. So, um, yeah, that's The Walking Dead. It's available here in New Zealand on TVNZ On Demand. If you're not a fan of The Walking Dead and you don't want to listen to the weekly rants that are the reviews that we give, don't forget to use the show notes uh, when you're listening to the podcast and skip ahead to the next section, which, of course, Dan, is our movie of the week section. Yeah, so each week, Paul and I take turns choosing a different movie of the week. Uh, if you would like to follow along and watch the movie that we're watching, then you should come and join us on our Discord channel where we announce that movie at the start of every week. This week, Paul, what have we been watching? This week, we watched the 2020 movie Honest Thief, uh, which is available to watch here in New Zealand on Neon. Uh, the synopsis for this one, uh, wanting to lead an honest life, 
a notorious bank robber, turns himself in only to be double-crossed by two ruthless FBI agents. Dan, this was this was uh, one of my selections, and for me, the instant you see the poster, you don't need to check anything else. You know what you're getting. You're getting Liam Neeson. He's got a black jacket on. He's got a gun in his hand. And whilst that could serve as criticism for some people, for me, it's an instant press play option because I know I'm going to be in for some fun. I really enjoyed it. It's nothing too special, but I had a good one-time watch on a Saturday night. What about you? Now, you've got to appreciate I'm coming in hot from a Walking Dead review here, so I'm, I'm a bit fired up. Look, I have a lot of respect for Liam Neeson. He's Qui-Gon Jinn. He's Ra's al Ghul. He, he's been in a lot of great movies. And I think I know exactly what you're saying, Paul. You look at these posters and you do know exactly what you're getting. I think the thing that I find hard with that I feel like Liam Neeson has made this movie a hundred times and it's just in slightly different contexts. And I guess that's what you've got to go into this movie with. Like it's by no means terrible. I just feel like it's the same movie I've seen time and time again. And for that reason, I kind of found myself a little bit fatigued watching it and I didn't want to feel that way. Like I loved Liam Neeson in Taken. I loved him in the first 400 times he did this, but I feel like now it's just kind of like, I feel like it's time to maybe try something a little bit different. It's like, it's a, it's a okay movie. It's got some okay twists and turns. It probably, it it didn't overly rate too high for me. That's interesting. Yeah. Because what, you know, he always, as you, (laughs) have alluded to he always has a, a particular set of skills in this this type of movie genre but what i like about this one it, it's i found that they wrote him a bit differently so he's actually a pretty regular guy he's not a he's not um he's not accustomed to carrying a gun or or hurting people in fact if anything he's more of a tech wizard with with locks and, and explosives so um what i love is that his motivation isn't about the money um because he hasn't spent any of it and uh, he just wanted to, to to sort of get even with a system that had cheated his his father was it i think his family yeah, his father. Yeah. yep um and look like i said when i said i had a good time but it was nothing special um it just it just was okay for it was a one-time watch it's not going to knock your socks off i will never watch it again um but that's okay because some movies are not meant to be rewatches some are just supposed to be that one time watch and um yeah i i just felt like they they actually didn't have the action dialed up too high compared to some of the other lynn you know the other 400 liam neeson movies um and i kind of like this transition as he gets older because i think him falling out of the window of what looked like a three-story apartment block and getting straight back up is going to become real unbelievable as the years go by yeah look i think you're the thing is, even though I'm giving this a bit of a hard time, it is exactly as advertised. Like, and I think you've summed it up. Like, this is a movie you'll watch. It's got some some low key action, uh, okay story kind of running through it. You you know that he's kind of going to turn out to be the, the the badass of the of the situation. And for that, I guess I, I probably can't can't really fault it too much. Um, I I was unsure about I guess some of the some of the wider sort of I'm really picking holes now Paul I'm I'm, I'm not sure I liked Kate Walsh's character 
Um, I'm unsure I got enough motivation from the bad guys. I was, I wanted more, um, Robert Patrick. Um, you know, especially coming from these Terminator movies that you've been talking about, I, I hated not having more of him, uh, early on. But yeah, it's, I don't know. You just, you just reminded me. Having watched all six Terminator movies, I could not help but appreciate seeing the actor who played Carl Reese in Terminator Genesis, Jai Courtney. Uh, okay, so spoiler alert, if anyone wants to watch this movie, you need to fast forward 30 seconds right now. Jai Courtney, who plays Carl Reese, kills you know, the T-1000 himself, Robert Patrick, in this movie. And it's not every day you get to see Carl Reese kill a Terminator. So I really uh, appreciated that as a side note. But look, I, I get your point. Kate Walsh's character... Um, the, the motivation of those FBI guys to actually truly do what they did is kind of like, it was right from the start. It was kind of like, really? Yeah, I, I kind of wish I saw a little bit of like more motivation. Like I know that obviously the the idea of stealing $9 million from someone and then getting away with it probably appeals to some people, but I feel like they instantly turned into super bad guys, but I didn't really, yeah. like I, I needed to probably see them in some sort of like debt or some type of like, like I needed to see them as crooked cops to start with and I yes. didn't go on that journey. That's the bit that's missing because when they turn up, they seem like regular, good, decent cops that you could trust. And so it, it seemed very confusing. The other thing that I thought was the ending was actually a bit too quick. Like I wanted to actually see him behind bars i wanted to see her coming to visit him to really close the whole loop of him turning himself in and wanting to go to prison which of course was the premise of the movie we never got that so i mean it's no biggie but yeah just since we're picking holes here at the end yeah but look as i say i think you know sometimes we talk about on this podcast what's a good movie that you could watch with your parents or your dad or something look father's day is coming up that if you're around at your dad's house you could chuck this movie on your dad's gonna have a great time your mum's gonna have a great time that this is a a fairly easy watch it's just not going to probably blow your socks off correct and that is available to watch on neon honest thief right should we go across to the news desk then yes indeed we shall all right so i guess the first big bit of news paul i don't know if you've been to the half measures website recently but you may have seen that we now have half measures merchandise I did not know that, Dan. What can you purchase on the merchandise? I'm glad you asked, Paul. Well, you might be able to find yourself a peak performance t-shirt, a classic half measures t-shirt. Maybe you might find yourself some drinkware. Who knows? This store could evolve into anything. That sounds pretty exciting, Dan. I'm glad you told me. So if you go to halfmeasurespodcast.com and click on the merchandise tab, it all comes up. That's pretty convenient. Look, this is the, the modern wonders of technology. You know, you can support this show in many ways. You can support it just by listening to it, by leaving us a review, by being a Patreon supporter, buying a piece of merch. It all helps the show. We appreciate your support. Do you have a discount code I can use? Not for you, Paul. Oh, that's a shame. (laughs) Okay, um, what else have I got here? So... Uh, it looks like we've talked about this piece of news um, a long time ago on the pod but it looks like it's official now the Rocketeer uh, is returning to Disney Plus so you may remember the Rocketeer movie growing up Um, that is making its way onto Disney Plus again with a full reboot wow didn't see that coming Netflix has secured the rights to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and they're going to make a series or it looks like they're going to wow so yeah that looks like 
I'm not sure whether it's going to include all the previous content, but it looks like they um, have got a whole bunch of rights now, so they'll be able to start making their own content. That's a pretty big franchise for horror fans. Nice. Netflix U Season 3 officially has a release date. It will be coming to us on October 15th. Can't wait to see what Joe's been up to. Another great show here on the pod. Yeah, I really did quite enjoy that show, eh? Like, especially the first season. I remember season two wavered a bit, but I'm I'm invested enough definitely to come back for three, for sure. Definitely. Uh, the Top Gun sequel uh, wasn't going to happen unless Tom Cruise could secure Val Kilmer's um, role in the film. I think that's fantastic, especially after watching the Val uh, documentary last week. Yeah, I, I heard that. I heard that there was two conditions. One was one was Val, and the other was that it, they would only have the uh, the real life plane. You know, there was oh, yeah. not the CGI. So I love that. That's classic Tom Cruise. It's brilliant. Uh, and then what have I got? And so Netflix, speaking of Cobra Kai earlier, have already officially renewed Cobra Kai for season five. So not only are we getting season four in December, um, already renewed for season five, which is fantastic news. I love it when a show knows before it comes out that it's got another season and they know that they can keep telling the stories and that paul is all that's on my news desk that's amazing i have a couple of things here just trailer announcements really so we had the star trek prodigy teaser trailer uh come out this week basically showcasing the ship design for all you track nerds out there but also the wonderful theme music uh speaking of trailers we had the final trailer for no time to die came out this week as well as we count down to the james bond final movie for daniel craig and what else did i find here? so there was some real sad news so last week when i was reviewing Season one of uh, Cobra Kai, I, I mentioned twice how much I really loved Johnny's stepfather, um, Sid, played by Ed Asner, who passed away this week, age 91. Uh, he's obviously famous for a lot more things than Cobra Kai, but uh, he's well loved by so many people. And the other, th- oh, so there's been more movies shut down. So Russell Crowe's Poker Face movie got shut down because of COVID. Mission Impossible 7 shut down with a, a COVID-19 insurance law, lawsuit. Honestly, I know there's bigger problems in the world with this disease, but it's it's affecting the things that we're watching. Uh, and I think, Dan, yeah, that is all I've got for, for news. Uh, mailbag. Uh, so this week's Mailbag podcast shout out is Retrogram. Uh, this is a podcast that focuses on a specific week between 1970 and 1990 and all of the sci-fi, all of the horror, all of the superhero shows that air during that week gets talked about. So if you love 70s and 80s TV, definitely check out Retrogram Podcast. Dan, I am pleased to report that we have made it onto the radar of the creator of Cobra Kai, John Hurwitz. So this is the guy that has written and produced every episode of Cobra Kai. And this week he shared our season one post on Twitter. And so that was probably the biggest highlight this week on our socials. We also had uh, Norman from Roddenberry.com comment on the review as well. Uh, He said, even though there are some incredibly meta moments throughout the course of this series, it never loses its principal focus to tell the logical and organic narrative of the sins of these two fathers, Daniel and Johnny, and how their ongoing war has affected so many for good or bad. Very eloquently worded from Norman, as you might expect from someone who's got a podcast with 35,000 subscribers. 
<laughs> Even as you were reading that, I was like, I'm an idiot. Like, I'm a complete idiot. I would never be able to describe something like that. That's that's the difference between our two podcasts. We're, we're here for the keeping it real, right? Um, the Irish drama series uh, Smother um, that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, our social media review post caught the eye of the director and we had six of the cast and crew share that across social media as well, which is great. And finally, last week's peak performance, uh, Anthony Hopkins. We had six contributors for peak performance this week. We had Andrew from Napier here in New Zealand. Uh, he went with... Um, Oh, I've not even written it down. That's that's the biggest half measure I've ever made, I think. Shout out to Napier, though. That's my uh, hometown. So, hey, Andrew, respect. That's your hometown. Did I know that? Yes, Hawke's Bay, of course. Sorry, just really showing my lack of uh, knowledge here. Uh, I'll come back to Andrew when I find it. Sorry for that. Also in New Zealand, we had Nat from Wellington, who said it was hard to go past Science of the Lambs, but that he really appreciates Anthony Hopkins in Remains of the Day. So... I quite enjoyed that. Here we go. He went with the world's fastest Indian. And actually, just because I really messed up with you, Andrew, he also added a note in here saying that he really liked it because uh, Anthony Hopkins sounded, looked and acted just like his dad, which I think is is really nice. So thanks for, for sharing that. Um, Hayden from Tucson, Arizona. Uh, he went with Westworld, much like yourself, Dan. We had Victoria from Cork in Ireland. Give a shout out for The Mask of Zorro. Paddy from Time Traveling Tink Podcast gave us his 3-2-1 of Thor, Legends of the Fool, and peak performance of Science of the Lambs, and Half Measures Podcast producer and co-host of Time Traveling Tink Podcast, Trisha Brady, went with Thor 3, Thor 1, and a peak performance of Science of the Lambs, and she added that Thor 3 had to make the list because Anthony Hopkins plays Loki playing Odin, which was just brilliant. Dan, I'm presuming that makes sense to you because I've never seen these movies. That 100% makes sense and was a great moment in those movies. Brilliant. That is the mailbag this week. Should we go across to peak performance then? Yeah, so much like uh, movie of the week, with peak performance, Paul and I take turns to choose a different actor, actress, director, producer, and we choose what we think is their peak performance. Peak performance, the name of one of our t-shirts that you can now buy on halfmeasures.com. I heard about that. Sounds great. This week... (laughs) Who did we go with? This week, we went with New Zealand's own Sam Neill. So, Sam Neill, this was a, a great choice for Pete Performance Day and really, really got me thinking how did, you know how you were saying, oh, surely we must have done him before. I don't know how we haven't done Sam Neill before. Superb actor. I have narrowed it down, though, as is the rules. My honourable mention is uh, as Emerson Hauser in the 2012 TV series Alcatraz, uh, where he played the head of a government agency investigating the um, this, the conspiracy, I guess, of all the disappeared inmates. And I'd not really seen him in a TV show before. And so I felt like he really added a really good weight to that. This is a J.J. Abrams show. And it got, I think you may recall from one of our early podcasts, much like terminated the sarah connor chronicles it got cancelled way too soon this one was cancelled after season one but i did stick with the whole season i really enjoyed it and i thought sam neil was was fantastic in this but we're here for the peak performance and for me it just has to be as dr weir in the 1997 sci-fi horror event horizon so yeah he plays the the scientist right who built the ship 
And then he goes from being the calm, sane, rational, scientisty type person that you'd expect to being the craziest of crazy scientists um, in the most dramatic fashion. And I know this movie has its faults and I know I reviewed it way, way back and sort of picked up on that at the time that it kind of maybe changes gear a few times too many. But Sam Neill is just a joy to watch in this movie. His performance in this is is really what holds it together. And that is my peak performance. Great choices, Paul. Sam Neill has been like he he really is a national treasure. And you know, we're New Zealand, we're small, we're we're a team of five million, but when we have top tier actors come out of the country like Sam Neill, you can't help but cheer for him in everything that he's in. Correct. For my honourable mention, I'm going to go with 1993's classic Jurassic Park. This is just such a like Sam Neill's role as as Grant in this film. I think he just plays such a a wholesome character. He's looking after these kids. He's he's truly enamoured by these dinosaurs that are walking around behind him. He's saving lives. It, it's fantastic. I think he's 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 such a great character in this film. And and this movie is was ahead of its time. Such an experience to be had in the cinema. For my peak performance, I'm actually going to go with his role in a New Zealand film, 2016's Hunt for the Wilder People. This is where Sam Neill plays Heck, uh, basically the the main one of the main characters who has to um, look after uh, Julian Dennison's character Ricky and they, they kind of go on this adventure through the wilderness and it's just a, a real sort of like coming of age journey for both characters they've both been through a lot I think it, and this is where Sam Neill really excels is he really takes you on that emotional journey you really feel for his character and you know he's lost his wife in this movie and just kind of he goes through all these different stages of grief and you know he finds such um a whole new sort of relationship with with Ricky's character, and it, it's just such a fun watch. It's, it's a movie I could watch um, anytime. So for me, Jurassic Park and Hunt for the Wilder People. Great choices, Dan. And just hearing you say Jurassic Park has got me excited, of course, because he's he's coming back, isn't he, as Doctor Grant in Jurassic World Dominion with you know Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern and 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 all the old gang to combine with all the new gangs. So that should be worth a watch just on that basis alone. Indeed, I feel like I've kind of checked a little bit out of the Jurassic Park franchise. Mm. Uh, I watched the first couple, but I, I'm not familiar at all with the the Chris Pratt world of Jurassic Park. But you know, maybe one day, maybe this will sort of connect it all back together for me. Yeah, I feel like I've watched one of the Chris Pratt movies, but this alone, just the fact that they're bringing back the old gang, is enough for me to. This could be a, a re-entry point for me. Awesome. Well, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of another episode of the Half Measures podcast. Does indeed. Don't forget to get in touch with us on the socials at Half Measures Pod or at our website, halfmeasurespodcast.com. Also, a special shout out to our Patreon producers, Samara King, Trisha Brady, Diana Kanawa, and Linda Tavner. If you would like to become a Patreon producer of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below, or you could also buy a Peak Performance t shirt. Surprise your loved ones. <laughs> Until next time, everyone. Adios.